Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and Clark Judge on Yahoo Sports Radio. The Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by MyCleanPC. If your computer runs slowly, log on to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. And within minutes, you can download software that can clean up what may be slowing it down. That's MyCleanPC.com. Well, earlier in the show, we mentioned that the Black College Football Hall of Fame has found a permanent home, and it has in Canton, Ohio, where it will join with the Pro Football Hall of Fame as part of a $500 million renovation project called the Hall of Fame Village. And while it's scheduled for completion in 2019, induction ceremonies could take place as early as next year. Here to talk about it is Hall of Fame cornerback Mel Blunt, who's on the Black College Football Hall of Fame Board of Trustees and whom Rod Woodson, another Hall of Fame defensive back, last week on this program named as the greatest cornerback in NFL history. Mel, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you, guys. Good to be on your show. Mel, it seems like this is just a perfect marriage. I mean, um, there are 29 Hall of Famers who attended historically black colleges and universities, including yourself, uh, guys like Jerry Rice, Walter Payton, Art Shell, and William Neer. Most people know about you guys, but what they may not know are the stories of others in the Black College Football Hall of Fame. And I think there are, what, 64 inductees? As of now, there's uh, 63, I think, inductees. Okay, and- okay but um, they're gonna, people now are going to have a chance at this venue um, that consultants project could attract $3 million, about uh, 3 million persons, I'm sorry, per year. Um, and that's going to be, to me, really good for everyone. The Hall, the Black College Hall of Fame, it just seems like it's, this idea is the Hall of very, very good things to happen. Don't you agree? Well, there's no question about it. Uh, we have been looking for several years for a permanent home. We talked to other HBC schools. We talked to people in Atlanta about uh, buildings that were available. And, you know, it's just amazing how things worked out. And we also talked to the College Football Hall of Fame. But there's something special happening with the Pro Football Hall of Fame right now. we got a tremendous, and I, and I really mean this, a tremendous leader in David Baker, a visionary, a guy who can, I mean, he can get things done. He, he's a smart guy. He's committed. And when we went to him with this idea, he was like it was a no-brainer. He he said he thought it was a great idea. He went back and talked with uh, board members there at the Hall of Fame, and you know they agreed to uh, to house us there. And I, I and I think it's good uh, not only for us for Black College Football Hall of Fame, but it's good for football. It's good for the Pro Football Hall of Fame because you mentioned earlier. If you take away all the contributors that's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame and just looked at the players, 10% of those players come from historical black colleges. And that's a tremendous accomplishment and a tremendous statement to be said that, you know, 10% of uh, the Pro Football Hall of Fame are uh, players from historically black colleges. And probably should be more, but at least... What we get chance to do is to preserve the history, the same thing that the Pro Football Hall of Fame is doing, and uh, honor the, the players who, who played at these historically black colleges. Mel, you're on the board of trustees with Jack Harris, Doug Williams, Willie Lanier, and Archell. How did you get involved? Well, I was contacted by, by Shaq. Uh, he and Doug Williams had this foundation, and uh, they were 
given scholarships and honoring uh, kids who played uh, at predominantly black colleges. And then they came up with the idea. This was their concept and their idea to start this black college football hall of fame. And they reached out to guys like myself and Willie Lanier and Art Shell to, to be involved. We had a lot of conference calls, a lot of meetings. We're excited to be where we are, but it, it's been a journey. Uh, up to this point, and I'm sure the journey will continue, but we're blessed to be able to have that uh, relationship with the Pro Football Hall of Fame and to be able to uh, realize some of the, the dreams and the vision that these gentlemen, Shaq and uh, Doug William, has. And that's really, as I said earlier, to, to honor the guys who played at these historical black colleges and also to help other kids who are coming along and recognize people who have made contributions. You know, you got a guy uh, like Eddie Robinson, you know, is just one of many great coaches, Jake Gaither and people like that who are legendary coaches in, in the history of black college football. Well, Mel, uh, you came out of uh, high school in Georgia. If, if you were a kid today, 17 years old, every college in America would be recruiting you. You probably would have been, you know, get a car from Georgia, another one from Georgia Tech, and something from Florida, and so, so forth and so on. But, you know, as you know, back in the day, a lot of those conferences, the Southeastern Conference, uh, they weren't integrated at all for a long time. I think until 1967, they weren't at all. And consequently, a lot of great talent went to these historically black colleges. Do you think at all that there's some sort of sadness in a way? That obviously, a lot of great things came from, from the integration changes that opened up all those schools to great black players. But it sort of hurt the Gramblings and the and the Southerns and, and those schools that, that used to get all you great players. Did you ever think back at all that there's a sort of sad side to it as well, a, a sort of loss for those schools that for so long had those great, great players? Well, you know, a lot of things happened uh, when integration came along. Uh, I think one of the things that happened, it did hurt the predominantly black colleges. But I think also families uh, started to uh, disintegrate. And when you see what's going on now with our young black males in these inner cities, and, you know, one of the things that happened when integration came along, you lost all your black male teachers and and coaches uh, in these high schools. And so there was really no role model or male figure who not only kids could look up to, but these people could address the issues of these young people because they understood what they were dealing with, and they understood in a lot of cases some of the anger that they were carrying. Yeah, a lot of things happened, but, you know, one thing uh, that I've seen over the years, and I noticed from from being a black man, is that we are a resilient people, and so we can adapt and adjust, and I think one of the things that has happened is that we haven't adjusted the way we should have, and, and some of the adjustments that was made has been detrimental because, you know, you go from working in the cotton fields and, and working in the fields to selling drugs, so there's a there's a big difference in working and earning a living and, and developing character and understanding the importance of hard work versus, you know, pushing drugs for a quick dollar. And so, I mean, when you it's, it's a whole different subject when you start talking about integration and the effects of it that we've seen over the years so but i'm happy and 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 really grateful that i had the opportunity to uh live back in those times and so i have both perspectives of the before and after i think for young people 
for anybody who really wants to succeed, they just have to get laser focused and be ready to uh, avoid distractions and, and keep working towards the things that they want to accomplish in life. Mel, quick question. We've got about 30 seconds left here. You mentioned role models. Who was your role model as a young man? Well, believe it or not, it was my father uh, because he was one of the guys who would help organize the uh, the meetings and, uh, you know, the marches and everything that was going on in the civil rights movement. And then, obviously, we had uh, I had black coaches, one guy by the name of Jimmy Thacker who set us all down in a big circle one day and on the field, and he started reading the article from a kid he had sent to a small college, uh, Allen University in, in South Carolina, a guy by the name of Charles Bryant. He started reading these articles about Charles Bryant scored the winning touchdown. Or Charles Bryant ran for so many yards and had so many touchdowns. And, and I was one of those kids sitting in that circle, and, and I said this, and it's almost like prophesizing. I said, one day he's going to be reading about me to some other kids. Well, he wasn't reading about it, but some coaches or somebody in that community was telling their kids about, oh, yeah, that kid that's on that Super Bowl team is from our hometown. So it was people like that. And, uh, you know, I came from a a close-knit family. I'm the youngest of 11 kids, and so we, we had a close bond, and so we all supported and worked together in the fields and looked out for each other. So it was a great life. The older I get, the more I appreciate it. Well, Mel, this has been a great interview, and we want to thank you so much for joining us, and congratulations on an idea and on an initiative that's going to make a difference. Well, thanks. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Thanks, Mel. Mel. That was Hall of Famer Mel Blunt. Up next, the case for Louis Wright going to the Hall of Fame. This is the Talk of Fame Network.